Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa, and we're in conference, full-blown conference finals mode today. We've got Dana Lane coming in, as usual, we're going to go down the Vegas lane, get the Vegas angle on all of the conference final odds and ends and numbers. Um, also, the latest news out of the Las Vegas hockey community. Uh, we've got Russ Cohen from Sportsology joining the show today, a uh, noted author. He's got a number of books uh, on hockey and baseball out. His latest we're going to talk about with him, uh, Philadelphia Flyers pictorial history that he has on Amazon. So uh, looking forward to talking with Russ about that and also his take on the Stanley Cup conference finals, both series tied at two. Um, I guess, Chris, the latest news here on uh, breaking the ice Ryan Johansson out for the year. Yeah, good to good to once again be uh, another great uh, another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. But uh, yeah, I I was just talking to a good friend, Alan Zolozinski, and I hope he's listening. Uh, and we were just talking about how uh, I felt going into the series. Uh, I was very impressed about Anaheim's will and heart, which I mentioned last week. How I wanted to pick them, but I thought it'd be, uh, I picked Nashville in seven in the end. I got to tell you, with two at a two-two mark, uh, I'm not going to make a big deal about home ice uh, in the last three games. But with Johansson jo out, they're already playing without Fiali. Um, this is anyone's bowl game, and 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 going over to the Eastern Conference, 
same thing. Uh, Ottawa last night, they did lose, but down 3 nothing, and you you might have said to yourself, well, Pittsburgh came back. They're going to find a way to win this series. You know, uh, the surge Ottawa put on from that point on, uh, even though they came up short, to me told everyone, hey, guys, we're not going anywhere, and uh, this is going to be a long series. So I think we have an excellent chance for two game sevens in these conference finals. I think so, too. And maybe of the the four teams left outside of Ottawa, um, I think the structure that Nashville plays with and, and their system-oriented approach, maybe they might be most able to overcome the loss of, of – a, obviously, it's a huge loss. But I think – the just their style of play and the and the, their structure, um, perhaps they might be able to compensate for that a little bit. Let's say, what do you think? Uh, I hear what you're saying. It's, Obviously, Pecorine and their and their deep defense is going to have to you know step it up a, a little bit more. So, but to lose the center, um, you know, it's one thing to lose. It's bad enough losing an important winger, but to lose a center, uh, that, that, you know, on both from the offensive standpoint and defense, that's a, that's a killer going forward. I mean, that's, Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm not saying that they, I'm not saying that they can, you know, can't win the cup, but that, I, I tell you, I'd be, I'll be very impressed if they wind up doing so. That's, that's just a brutal loss for them. Uh, and kudos to Anaheim. Uh, you know, who really outplayed them in game four until the third period. And um, this is not me being a jerky Islander fan, but uh, it's a note to, you know, the Ranger Nation who felt like, oh, we let those two games slip away. We're the better team than Ottawa. You know what? Anaheim was the better team than Nashville the other night in game four. And then it was all tied up going to overtime. And then they went into that locker room and said, all right, boys, that shouldn't happen. But you know what? Let's go get the next one and go win this game. And that's what they did. And we've seen other teams do that in the playoffs. So just because you give up that late-tying goal doesn't mean you have to lose the game. And uh, uh, like I said, I, I think this is destined for seven. I feel pretty strong that the other series is going to go seven as well. So uh, um, it's just been it's been some really tough hockey, too. A lot of hits. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so, Love it. Uh, uh, a lot of... You know, it, it, it might wind up being a war of attrition at the end. But, uh, yeah, I, I hear it sounds like you still think that Nashville's going to find a way to win this series. Well, what, I, I'll say I'll say they still have a chance. Um, Pekka is, is starting to come back to earth from his first two rounds. I mean, no one's going to carry out a 9.5, 9.70 save percentage throughout the whole playoffs. He's back down around his mid-9100, so... Um, he's, he needs to, he needs to steal the next game, I think. And then somehow find a way to get one of the last two. I, I think they still have a chance, but I will say this one thing Anaheim shown me in this playoffs that has obviously been the monkey on their neck. And it, I'll, I'll extend that out to Washington capitals as well. And they've won a game seven at home, which they've been unable to do their last four, four seasons in a row. Right. So, and and progressively worse too. Uh, game one, game seven, round one loss. Game game seven, round two. What conference finals up on Chicago with two minutes left? They let in the fluky goal from Taves in the corner off off the skate. 
uh, give that game up. But they were so this year's squad, and I think Carlisle probably has a lot to do with it. Um, they they're showing that they now have either grown into or acquired the confidence. And you mentioned it when they when they blew the the lead late in, late in the last game. Um, they were able to to get a hold, gather themselves, if you will, in the locker room, like you said, and, and put it behind them. And I don't think previous, previous issues of the Anaheim Ducks hockey club have had that, that particular um, character trait, if you will. And I, I, the, it's weird to say that this, this veteran of a team seems to be growing uh mentally and and in confidence as a veteran team you kind of think that that they're supposed to come in with all that in play but hockey's a game of ebbs and flows and and momentum swings and chases and usually the team that 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 uh is able to you know keep that even keel and not go too far one way and too far low too far high and and just take it as it comes is the team that's going to come out on top in a series and and I think that we're seeing this Anaheim Duck squad um, show us that ability this time around. You, um, sounds like you kind of agree with that take. I do, and I'll give a good caveat for Nashville. Keep this in mind. You know, last year these two teams met in the first round, and we were at the exact same point going into Game Five, two-two. And Anaheim went on. They went back to Anaheim for Game Five. Anaheim won it. And then Nashville still came back and won the series and won game six and seven. So uh, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say that if Anaheim doesn't win game five, they can't come back and win game. Nope. Can't, can't nope, win I game have... six at home and, and, and then go back to Anaheim and win game seven. We've seen them do that. Yeah, for sure. Let's go over. I mean, both series are tied 2-2, but we're looking at kind of, kind of two different series we talked last week where where all three of us dana you and myself um really did give ottawa that puncher's chance here and we talked about how they've been underestimated coming through uh even the regular season into the first two rounds of the playoffs and they just keep plugging along and doing their thing and i had mentioned that i thought their system would um maybe be the system if they played with enough structure and got good enough goaltending that might be able to stop that rush that Pittsburgh is so, so great at coming through the neutral zone with speed and force them into being a dump and chase team, which isn't their game. I don't think they're physically built for that. And with the injuries that they have, it's even harder for them to do that and go down in the corners and, and win a battle and, and maintain possession. We saw a better job of that in the last game. Um, Changing, changing goalies, bringing bringing Murray back in, it um, seemed to spark them in that game. Where do you, where do you see? And I, I think we both agree that we're we're looking at two game sevens, which will be fantastic in the conference finals. Um, what's your read on that series? Who who do you think has the upper hand? Do you think Pittsburgh is going to take that momentum? Well, uh, 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 kudos for me for being on the. Ottawa bandwagon to the Eastern Conference Finals, and shame on me yep. for jumping off it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, go. I didn't think they would. I didn't think they would match up well with Pittsburgh. But it's just you know, obviously this the one three one has worked well. I not that I've seen uh, what I've noticed about Pittsburgh. What I noticed about Pittsburgh last year was 
despite having some tough series and some physical play, it never seemed to wear them down last year in any of the series. I never saw watching them all the way to the Cup Finals that it take anything out of them. This year, I'm starting to see it a little bit. And keep in mind, as I mentioned last week, they had two Brutals series to get through in every way possible in terms of winning the game, how physical they played. Even though the Columbus series was only five games, that, that was a mini war. And obviously the yeah. series. So, And then you add in the injuries that they have, people that they're, they have out. Uh, and Ottawa's playing a, a physical as well. And again, they're a deep team. I think that's one thing that jumps out is it's like a different if it's it's a different person every night other than Eric Carlson, of course. And I really like that about them going into the playoffs. And I that was assuming I didn't assume they would get anything out of Bobby Ryan and Clark McCarthy. And those guys obviously have had great playoff runs as well. So I got to be honest with you. Uh, I picked Pittsburgh in five. That's wrong. Um, I don't know. <laughs> There's something about this Ottawa team. I'm starting, starting to, to feel I'm starting it too, to, man. I'm starting to feel it, and I was talking to a good friend yesterday of the show, Matt Pryor, and I posed this question to him. I said, give me the last team that was – if the Ottawa Senators go on and win the Stanley Cup, give me the last team that would be as big of a surprise as that. And we couldn't think of one. I mean, we, we came up with a couple – uh, like your Kings recently because of the seeding. 2012 board, Kings, yeah. Him, but I reminded him, like, after the first round, they were just a machine, and they, I think they only lost one game uh, or so. Uh, we talked about Carolina uh, the year they won it, but I, I tell you, this would be the biggest surprise in quite some time. We've still got a long way to go before getting there, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I am starting to believe in Ottawa, and I am – Drinking the cool day. on Pittsburgh. I'm, I am a little bit, but they're going to still have to play at this critically high level. So, uh, But I, I think it's a 50-50 series. I really do. Uh, I really do. But there's something magical going on with this Ottawa team. I'm starting to feel it, too. How much um, How much is the injuries on Pittsburgh? You mentioned wearing them down. Um, oh. Do you I think – also, Do you think we're, lo- somebody, we're looking at, at yeah, um, that's part of it though. That's, uh, that's why the Stanley cup's yeah, the hardest well, trophy to win in all of sports. You know what I mean? Is because you have to go through those and, and injuries are a part of it. The grind is a part of it. And, uh, just with, the, like I was talking about with the ducks, that mental confidence that you can withstand anything. Um, a lot of that goes into knowing you've got, you know, a full a full gun, if you will, and you have all your bullets well, ready to a, go. Let's not forget, they're playing without their number one defenseman, Chris Letang, these whole playoffs, who plays 30 minutes of the playoffs. The game. That's, so, that's uh, I think, the we're biggest not even, key. We're not even considering that, I think, with these recent rash of injuries. You know, Carl Hagelin is back, but he's all banged up. Uh, it, it's got to, you know, I mean, it's stretching them thinner. And, you know, um, again, those players, they have taken a lot, they've taken a lot of beatings in, in those other games. And, and again, let's not forget too, this is a team that went the whole gauntlet last year. So when you add all that into the mix of how long this season was last year, uh, uh, I think it's, it's not that they can't get through it, but it'll be a heck of an accomplishment if they do. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, just uh, 
Just real quick. I'm having some trouble with our software here. Anything else jump out at you in the week away from uh, away from the playoffs? We haven't had too much off-ice news this week. Have you grabbed a hold of anything? No, it just, there seems to be a lot of rumor talk. Uh, we'll That was the tef- technical difficulties of all technical difficulties. Sorry about that. It happens in live radio, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Now I see Dana up there. Dana, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing, guys? Oh, I had a little hiccup trying to bring you in there, sir. I apologize for that. Joining us now, I'm well, just going to jump right into it. Uh, Dana Lane, Dana Lane Sports, Dana Lane NHL on Twitter coast the vegas hockey hotline weekdays from one to two on 1400 a.m on your local radio dial sir um we got a couple tied up conference final series sir um before we get to vadim chipikoff and some of the things that i've seen out of him especially in the last couple games um take us through take us through your thoughts on the west and and we were just talking about the injury to ryan johansson and how that might impact uh, the series going forward, I kind of think that maybe Nashville might be able to absorb that based on structure and style. Chris kind of thinks that could be the death knell for for the Preds here, even if it does go Game Seven. What say you? Yeah, I well, I try not to overreact to these things because you know let's let, let's. I mean, if we did that, then we'd be going to we would go against the the Pittsburgh Penguins for the last three months. I mean, I try not to without Tanger for sure. And, yeah, and, and so well, and not only without Tang, I mean Latang. I mean everybody else <laughs> is depleted That's for amazing. three months. So uh, you know, let's give these guys a little bit of credit. I think sometimes we overlook the fact that you know this is the time of year when coaching matters the most, and these guys come up with right. you know. I mean, look, we we didn't talk about the one three one until you know a month and a half ago. Uh, I don't. At least I didn't at all. And so you have nope. to give these coaches a lot of credit for making adjustments. Uh, is it a big loss for Johansson? For sure. You know, uh, I didn't get an update on Mike Fisher, but last time I knew he was up in the air as well. So that really depletes their center position where, you know, you might have a yeah. guy like, like Yarn Crock is going to have to, you know, go from a, being a third-line center to being a first-line center. And how does that affect uh, the Nashville Predators? And, and honestly, I mean, I – I like the Ducks before the injury, so certainly I'm going to like them after that. From a wagering perspective, I'm going to have to lay a little bit more than I would have uh, with him in the lineup. But if I like them, if like if I like the Ducks with him in the lineup, I certainly have to like them without sure. him in the lineup. Uh, the other thing too is too, um, you know, I was watching some of the the post game press conferences, which I think sometimes tell you a lot without some of these players saying too much. Uh, Yannick Weber said something, talked to the, uh, was asked about the first period uh, against the Anaheim Ducks, and he came out and, you know, he basically said they couldn't match the Ducks' intensity. And that really that's, bothered that's me. That's not a good sign. Uh, yeah, I, that really bothered me. And I, and I kind of thought about that, and I said, well, geez, you know, you're, you're, at, you're, you're at home in a, in a Western Conference final, 
in the first period, and you guys couldn't match their intensity. And so, so my thinking is, I mean, what's going to happen when, you know, the pressure gets more and more on you? Are you going to be able to match their intensity? Um, and, and in all fairness, from about, you know, the second period on through overtime, they probably were the better of the two teams. But um, that was a very telling statement, which basically says to me, there are periods of time where Nashville feels as if they can't match their intensity. And in some cases, I think they go, the Ducks are the aggressors or maybe even the bullies. So I, I think that gives Anaheim quite an advantage. Yeah, especially at home with a Smashville crowd going nuts to, to let them get on the board early and take the crowd out of the game. And then you don't have that intensity to respond. That is a red flag for sure. <coughs> um, excuse me. Let me bring in Chris. I know he's got a, a, a few things to get to with you, Chris. Hey, Dana. Great to have you back on the show. Uh, uh, so the Golden Knights, I've been, uh, there seems to be a lot of chatter that Mr. McPhee is uh, talking with everyone and leading up to this expansion draft. You can see a lot of, a lot of trades in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of expansion. I'm curious what you heard about that. And, and also interesting to know, George McPhee acknowledged, uh, I believe this past week that he's had, he has had talks with Evgeny Dandeno of uh, the KHL. So I'm curious what you've heard about the Knights. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they've had discussions for sure. And I am sure he's had a lot of, I, I get the feeling and they're very tight lipped about this stuff, but I do get the feeling that getting uh Dadnoff here would, is going to be a little bit more of a task than getting uh off here. Um, I feel like that there's a lot more teams involved for, for their services. And, you know, like, um, uh, McPhee said, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to kind of see what we have on the table before we take on any other, any bigger contracts or any big contracts was the exact word. So we'll see. I mean, hey, look, watching, um, watching Shippershoff at the, um, at the uh, world championships, I, I do know this. I mean, he is completely a playmaker. He's got great hands. He sees the ice well. Um, and again, you know, just like we talked about last week, I mean, what happens when you come to a North American, when you come to North American ranks that are smaller, that uh, perhaps are more physical. Uh, that's always kind of been a knock about him is his physicality. And, you know, honestly, it's the same thing about that enough as well. So, um, you know, we're going to have to – the Golden Knights are going to have to find scoring somewhere. Uh, that That's for sure. We know that. And I don't think it's going to come uh, in the form of, you know, Radulov or uh, any of these uh, – some of these other European guys that have spent, you know, some time in the National Hockey League because, you know, Kol, Kovalev uh, – or Kovalev uh, – you know, I, I don't – in when McPhee talks about the type of player that he wants here – you know, character seems to always come up. And although we have not heard anything, you know, from those two players in a long time, they just still do have a residue of their past. Um, I would be yeah. very surprised if they would come here. But, the, you know, the flip side of that is Shippershoff doesn't speak a lick of English. He's, uh, you know, a long way from home and never played in the National Hockey League. Now, what are you going to do on the ice to make him feel comfortable? I think, I think you, you do a great need point it. about Shippa, Shippa Shop, uh, uh in terms of pluses and questions, Dana. The one thing, and I wonder uh, in terms of uh, Dandino, if I'm saying his name right, is Shippa Shop signed a two-year deal. 
So, you know, if it works out, great. You could talk about an extension uh, one year into it. Or if if it's like, okay, that was okay, it's only a two-year deal. So a guy like Dandino, if there's other teams involved and you're talking about a four- or five-year deal and there's those pluses but yet question marks, McPhee might say, you know what, I'm going to take a pass on that one. Well, hey, look, my my personal thinking is, I mean, and, and I'm always honest about this. I don't have a KHL package. I can only I can only read. <laughs> I can only um, you know look at what other scouts say that have seen him. And I and I, there's nothing until we can get these guys in in camp. And I can see for myself in August, uh, and certainly in you know when they play in the rookie camp against the the Kings rookies uh, in September, you get a good idea as well. You know, I mean, look, I, that's how I'm going to form my own opinion. But right now, um, I don't know who they're going to, you know, I, you're going to get, you might, I, I think they're probably looking at getting 65, 70 points out of Shippershoff. I think that that's probably where where they would be most happy. I just, you know, <laughs> I don't know who you're passing to. And, and this is not a guy that's going to be a 25, 30 goal scorer. So, you know, I'm just interested to see who his line mates are going to be. Now, I will say this. Um we did talk to, to Misha uh, Donskoff uh, from the Golden Knights yesterday, had him on our, our radio show. And I said to him, I said, look, you know, when you're um, in the boardroom and you're going through uh, the mock drafts, you know, does free agency come into play? And I guess I was trying to ask two questions there at once. Uh, the one question right. was, you know, uh, you know, does, obviously the obvious does it come into play and B you know, are we really going to deep dig into the free agent market? And so, you know, the answer was absolutely it comes into play. So that's telling me that they are going to go out and get somebody at least. And I know, I know Brian Blessing wants them to, you know, wants them to save cap and wants them to build slow and this is fine. And I'm kind of in that, in that camp as well, but I still think you need, somebody to sell jerseys and I think you need somebody to give you a fighting chance because otherwise you think the Ottawa Senators are boring wait till you see what the Golden Knights are going to have to do to be competitive well we had uh we're talking with Dana Lane on the Vegas Hockey Podcast we had one of our our guests that as Dallas two years ago was rising um and we were talking about the growth of that franchise from being one of the perennial attendance strugglers and and missing the playoffs to you know the the hundred point offensive juggernaut that they became a couple years ago and his point was that when they 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 brought in some new management and the ownership and uh they they fully committed to that offensive run and gun style and and the philosophy was if you're going to lose lose exciting um and i don't i don't think that's on george mcphee's itinerary but it is it is worth noting that that kind of that kind of um even in the couple years before they did go on their run to the Western Conference Finals, the their attendance was picking up. The excitement in the community was buzzing around that team as they started to build that offensive philosophy. Um, and one, one thing I will say, and I, this is what I wanted to get to you about, about Shipshoff, um, watching him play, and I think one of his assets that will translate to the North American game is his passing ability, his his vision on the ice and his ability to make his wingers better than what they might be without him playing center. Um, that what, what do you, do you see that in that player as well? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean for sure. I mean, um, you know, from what we what we've seen, um, and we know that he's a you know a second line center, and and from what we've seen, you know, certainly his line mates have had um, had tremendous success with him on the ice. So uh, again, though, you know, I have seen where he's had a ton of room and a ton of space, and not only that, right. he's had a ton of time. And I think where he's most effective is on the power play, where he really gets a lot of time. Um, I just want to hey, look, man. I'm I'm trying to be optimistic, but at the same time, I'm trying to be a realist. I just want to see what happens when those gaps close, when those passing gaps are not as big as uh, as they are when you're playing Slovakia or when you're playing uh, for SKA. So, um, you know, I again, the jury's still out on them. And, and you know, look, we at least we know with that enough. You know, we we have some, you know, we have some film, if you will, on him. Uh, but this kid is an, is an unknown. But on the flip side, and, and to be totally optimistic about this, everything he's done so far has been exactly what you wanted him to do. So let's see if he can make that final step, which will be the biggest step, because it won't just be how will you play on the ice. It will be how, how does your lifestyle change, and how, how do you handle that? Well, that's always been the uh... – sort of the rub on the Russian players that when they do come to North America, I mean, you know, um, the, the, that physicality of the game tends to, let's say, rub them the wrong way. And um, I don't know if that had anything to do with Kovalchuk leaving, what, he'd leave $90 million on the table or something and bolting back to the K. And now there's there's noise yeah, he wants to come back at 34. Yeah. But that's always been the, the caveat with a Russian player, right? And I think the term... Um, like Chris mentioned, is is a good part of that deal. But let you know what, let's go. We didn't touch on the East yet, and we we uh, I wanted to get your take on the Ottawa Ottawa series. And we talked last week about Ottawa might be able to, you know, like you said, we hadn't been talking about the one three one in in forever since the Devils. But <coughs> I I thought that they might be the team to be able to slow Pittsburgh's neutral zone rushdown. And even even though they made the change to Murray, that seemed to spark the Penguins. Um, they've they've been able to do that for large portions of this series, and and I'm wondering we've got I'm thinking it's going seven. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, do you think that's going to be able to continue? Well, I, I think for Pittsburgh, and we had talking to Dennis Bernstein yesterday from the fourth fourth period on Sirius. Um, you know, I brought up to him. I said, you know, look, I mean. You know, how do you if you're if you don't have puck moving defensemen, which they don't at this point, and again we just go back to Latang, but you know, now we have Latang and Schultz are both banged up and um, you know, what do you do to hey, that's kind of Pittsburgh's MO. I mean, that's kind of, you know, get the puck up, the defenseman gets the pucks up to the forwards and 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 you're on your way. Um, this is gonna be a little bit different. They're gonna have to make adjustments and I thought I thought in uh, uh, in the last game, the Fords did a good job of supporting the defensemen, which I think is a little bit different than what they want to do. Uh, but I thought that they made proper adjustments. And, hey, look, I, again, guys, I mean, I, I know it's a broken record, and I know you can sit there and say, well, maybe there's a little in-house fighting, and maybe there's, you know, it, it, we'll see what, you know, comes out of uh, Geno Malkin and, and Kessel. But, you know, they still own <laughs> – with the best players on the planet. And, and I still, you know, and I can't go away just because, 
Um, you know, we've seen Ottawa have success. I mean, again, give Mike Sullivan some some, some credit. I think he will come up with a way as he did as they did last game to be a lot more effective against that trap. Um, but you know, for me, it, it's it's again, it's the same thing. It, it's overcoming these injuries, um, overcoming the rust injury and Hornquist and Kunakel and all those guys. But um, the shot in the arm could be the Matt Murray change. And I've been a proponent of Marc-Andre Fleury for a very long time. But you have to put Matt Murray back in, and you have to keep him in no matter what he does from this point. And, you know, and why is that important? Not just from a, a playing advantage, but from a psychological advantage. Because the Ottawa Senators probably said, well, geez, you know, we, we've solved Marc-Andre Fleury. We feel pretty good with him in the net. Well, now all of a sudden you're putting a six foot four goaltender in there that looks larger than life that now puts a little bit of doubt back in your mind whether or not you can beat him. And as you know, we saw uh, his first time out, the Senators right now uh, have a lot more doubt in their mind whether or not they can beat him. So I, I think Pittsburgh's in a good spot. They're just going to have to grind these games out. My only worry um, in picking them to, to win the Stanley Cup is what will you have left? if it's the Anaheim Ducks or the, you know, uh, which is a team that's going to smash you in the mouth. Uh, I think they would fare a little bit better against Nashville, uh, but certainly I, I, I am curious to see what they would have left. Mark? I blew him away hey. with my insightful yeah, you, comments. You certainly- I think that's, I think that's, oh, no, uh, I'm here. Excellent. I'm here. I had it. Okay. I had it muted there for a little second. Um, let me get a 30 second Saturday night special. Our next guest, Russ Cohen from Sportsology is on the line here. So give me a real quick Saturday night special. And I got to let you go. Yeah, that's fine. I, I uh, just going back to that Nashville game tonight. They're, you're going to have to lay a dollar 40 or a dollar 25 in some spots. It is all over the place. The best number out there is a dollar 25. I'm still going back to Anaheim. Uh, I, again, going back to the beginning of the show, if I like them before Johansson, I certainly am going to like after. I certainly also like the fact that this is a team that I can always count on to give me 60 minutes of effort, despite the fact that, you know, they had a period with only two shots. They've come from behind uh, three times this postseason from two goals down. I like that kind of demeanor in the team, and I'm willing to back them at home tonight. All right, Dana. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Dollar twenty-five is going to be good value with that too. So um, that that's worth a trip down to the window. Thank you so much, Dana. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, guys. Have a good weekend. And now we'll bring in our next guest to the show, Russ Cohen. He's writer for Sportsology, noted author of of a few hockey and and baseball books. Uh, Hundred things Rangers fans should know and do before they die. We got 100 Ranger great superstars, unsung heroes, colorful characters, some New York's Max, the most recently the Philadelphia Flyers images of sports. Um, as I look at it now, there's only 12 left in stock on Amazon, and, and I want our listeners to pump those 12 right out of stock. So uh, I know we got some Philadelphia Flyers fans out there listening, so go on Amazon. Uh, Russ Cohen, look him up pick up those last 12 copies of the book and let the Vegas hockey podcast voice be heard. Sir, Russ, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks guys. How are you? Oh, we're doing real good. We're doing real good. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I, as I look through the, through the book, you have the, the, the two brothers, I assume that were co-contributors on the book with you. Yeah. Mike and Joe Del Tupo. Yeah. We, um, with that book, what we wanted to accomplish was, 
put together we we have been really covering the team from the new building on so the the wells fargo all the different names of it and so right. a lot of stuff has been done on the broad street bullies we weren't trying to reinvent the wheel nor did i think unless there was really some amazing new spin somebody would would even want to read that as a you know as the main part of the book anymore because there's been so much so we we wanted to focus from that building forward, the Lindros era forward. And we still, you know, we paid our respects to the Broad Street Bullies, but it's mainly those guys and then some forgotten guys, guys like Dmitry Tertizny, some that have passed away, you know, Lindbergh, Kelly Lindbergh, and, 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 and a lot of others. So we did that. We A lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. So there's stuff from practices. There's stuff from, you know, the old Spectrum, maybe before those last couple of games that they had. There's stuff from the miners, you know, I think we have a, well, we have one of, the shadow we have of Giroux, I think, is maybe his first NHL game or his second NHL game, and, you know, <laughs> just looks so young, and we covered him in the AHL, too, because he played a, a handful of games down there, so we we just, we like to have all those different things, we have Brian Boucher in a, uh, in a Santa get-up, you know, just a little behind-the-scenes stuff maybe people hadn't seen before. Very cool, very cool. Um, let me get um, we we started in the in the west there with Dana, so let's jump over to the east and give us give us your impact on Murray coming back into the series and it, it, where 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 Ottawa is right now, um, and how how you think? I me and Chris both think that game that series going seven. Um, first, I guess, are you on board with that and? Can Ottawa somehow finish this thing off? Yeah, I am kind of on board with it going seven unless they just can't solve Murray. But I, I felt like the Murray move was a bit of a uh, a panic button move, not because it's, you know, Murray, but but the psychology of all of it. Like when he came in the game the other night, getting past yesterday, the game before that, it's easy to come into a game and sort of shut things down and look good when – the other team is essentially knows that it's they out of can't hand. win the game. Yeah, right. it's out of hand. Your team can't win the game. They're not putting the gas on the pedal anymore. They're they're shooting, but they're not playing full steam ahead. So I didn't want to count that game and say, wow, that was great. Look how great Murray looked because it's really not fair. So then sure. if you take it flat-footed from the last game, he did look great. Um, at the beginning of the game, he stopped a lot of good shots. Do I think he psyched out? Ottawa or play that much better than Flurry? Not really. I think Flurry just had that one bad moment in in that in that one game where yeah he he let up four. He shouldn't have been able to let up four. That was a problem by Sullivan. He should have pulled him after three, and he should never have played in that particular game. Mark Streit five on five. If you're going to bring a Mark Streit, you only use him on the power play as a seventh defenseman. He's too slow five on five. Sullivan should have known that. So Sullivan sort of helped kill the flurry vibe there by killing his defense in that game. I, he's not going to make that mistake again, but unfortunately now flurry probably won't get to play again either, but it's okay. I mean, either one of those goalies are good enough to win. The problem for Ottawa is the one goal they got was like Pachinko. And it, there's a lot of these kinds of goals now with a lot of net track net from presence and, and traffic in the uh, series. So that's okay. Ryan had a great game, but what else, can he do to help win the game? Like he did everything he could. Carlson did everything he could. 
Anderson did everything he could. And it's just, even in the Penguins' weakened state, they still have enough. They still have enough on offense. They may not have enough on defense, but I don't think it matters if the forwards kick in and they still can score more goals than they've scored in this series. And that's probably the scary part for Ottawa because unless right. everything's clicking, you know, Hoffman, Stone, Broussard, they, all of it has to click or otherwise they'll just lose the series. So I still don't think they're winning this series. And, and actually, I, I think that it's possible that it doesn't go seven, but I think there's a chance. Uh, do we know what the status of Burroughs is? Um, no, I don't know that. Because he was kind of important for them. If he continues yeah, he to stay out, that that's actually going to hurt Ottawa too. Well, the thing the thing is, and you're exactly right. With it, even if they're banged up on the back end, if if Ottawa lets that get into a track meet, then then Pittsburgh's walking away with it. They they right. have to keep their structure. They ha- and and they have to get um, contributions from third and fourth line for that to be a successful team. Um, if they if regardless uh, of of injuries to Pittsburgh's back end, they, they're going to outscore you if you get into that kind of game. And and with the with, when they're successful, they're they're obviously clogging the neutral zone, making Pittsburgh dump and chase, which they're not built to do to go down and and win that battle and and play the possession style game that plays right into Otto's hands. Um, Chris, we, we touched on this a little bit already. Where, where do you think that's a style that, that Pittsburgh, even if they're forced to play can um, grind out two, one wins now with Murray in there, it's probably going to help that. But I think a two, one game is Ottawa's game. And and I think obviously um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the five, four, four, three games are Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's forte, right? Um, yeah, I would. I, I I think Pittsburgh's capable of anything. I think that's part of uh, uh, their their greatness is uh, uh, they've overcome a lot uh, these last couple last couple of years, especially this year. So uh, uh, I don't know, Rob Ross. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I I do. Feel, I mean, look, they won three two last one, but anything that does go over the two one mark is definitely playing into Pittsburgh because I, I don't know if Ottawa can really sustain their offensive attack and and some of their best stars. I don't know if they could play any better. So they do really have to get some of these other guys to really kick in, MacArthur and otherwise. And so that's to me is the biggest challenge for them because they don't have the best blue line either, but the two or three real good ones they have are really good. But their bottom pairing is not great either. I mean, it's not like, you know, you could put them out there and they're not going to worry. So Pittsburgh still has the edge, you know, for as long as Crosby's healthy and it looks like he's playing better now than he did at the start of the series, Malkin's healthy. If, if those guys are healthy, that's a big plus. If Kessel's healthy, you know, right there, that's enough firepower to, to be able to do it. It's just they just have to be consistent and not get – and really not get trapped out of their game. And, and I think – I kind of felt a couple of games ago that Pittsburgh had figured it out, and then they got destroyed. But I think it was part of the way the lineup yeah. was and part of the way that Fleury just wasn't mentally ready for that game. The last game was more of what I expect, and I think if they sort of play that same game, I don't think Ottawa can, can really match that. So we'll see. Ottawa's going to – again, I always felt like in this series – Guy Boucher was going to have to change what he's doing to win the series. Now, 
he's making it close, and they're really looking good doing it. But unless he changes something, unless there's some new wrinkle, if he just continues to roll out the one-three-one, I don't think Ottawa wins this series. I don't care where, I don't care where it finishes, where it starts. I don't think Pittsburgh matters where they play. I just think at the end of the day, they just still win. You know, it's funny because I made this. I made the point that um, me, myself, uh, Chris was on the bandwagon early on, but most people have been underestimating this Ottawa squad for most of the season. Sure, um, I mean, I you could I raise my hand to that too. To do, right? Yeah, me for me for sure. Um, I I just I'm just not that willing to write them off yet. I I think they need to obviously they're going to have to play their best game of the game of the series in the next game, and yep. and go from there. But um, I don't know. That's it's it's. I think that series is still anybody's series. Now, as, as let's move over to the East a little bit. Um, the Ryan the Ryan Johansson move or move injury um devastating to the predators in combination with fisher also being a question mark now um losing yeah, it's, losing it's both, both those pieces is is devastating it's devastating i i felt like they still were going to lose that series in seven but now it's devastating because the three center attack that anaheim has in, in kessler gets laugh and um uh, but, but, you know, the other guy wins. For Raquel? Uh, hmm? No, 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 not Raquel. Raquel. No, no, no. Um, oh, it'll come it's, to me. But there are other key face-off guys. Right. They're three deep at that position. And and that's something where now you're going to have to go Colin Wilson. You're going to maybe have to Yarn put Croc Austin Watson or, or Yarn Croc playing in that second C spot. Like, that's tough. They're going right. to lose so much size. They've been losing yeah, in the face-off dot anyhow. Oh, it's Antoine right. Burnett. That's who I was thinking of. There you go. Um, it's funny. Earlier early in the show, I was I was thinking that that the Predator structure they may be able to absorb uh, the Johansson loss, but I forgot that Fisher was also banged up and now questionable to play. Um, losing both those guys, I I don't. I'm gonna correct myself now. I don't see them getting past that. Um, and and it's I mean, funny. I was able to gut it out. Renee's had an amazing series, and and so it's possible they could gut it out to seven. But I just don't see how they're going to win it. No, I, and I have to agree with that. Um, especially, and I and I met, talked with Dana Lane earlier on this point. And I are we, are we kind of seeing Anaheim? And it, and I said it before. It's weird to say with such a veteran group that perhaps this playoff series and. And, and this playoff season, are we seeing this core group, even though they're veterans, grow mentally and confidently before our eyes to the team that hadn't won game sevens at home, actually been blown out, blown leads with two minutes left to play against Chicago, to now being able to go home after after Edmonton thumps them and go ahead and take that step, re- readjust, and win that game seven. And then Chris made the good point. When they when they blew the lead the other night and give up two late goals, they were able to get in the locker room, uh, you know, get a hold of themselves, gather their moxie, if you will, and then come out and mm-hmm. and pot, pot the game winner. Is this kind of a different mentally um, structured? I guess you, I would say, Anaheim Ducks team than yeah, we've seen. I, yes, I I think that Kessler has grown. He's become a bigger pest. He may be a little snake bitten offensively right now, but he wasn't 
earlier in the playoffs, but he is right this moment, but it's okay. He's still having an impact. Perry's Perry. I don't think Perry ever had a drop-off. And Getzloff had a nice second half of the season, but I was wanting more, and I wanted to see more in the playoffs, and he's one of the best players in the playoffs. Like, it's just flat out that simple. Complete, you know, being this physical, year. winning face-offs, scoring big goals, making great passes. Like, he's, he's literally doing it all. And so that's a big deal. But the youth on that team is important, too. The youth in, in John Gibson, I mean, he is only 23. That's a young goalie. Uh, I don't it care, is. you know, what anybody says. It takes to anywhere from 21 to 27 to really, you know, master that, that position. And, and so that makes a big difference. Nick Ritchie has been huge. They underutilized him, I felt, earlier in the series. And then, you know, all of a sudden – they did a nice job with him last game. They snuck him over the boards. He's got a great shot. And if he's coming down on the wing, who the hell is going to cover him? All you can do is hope to strip him. So I thought Carlisle did a nice job with him last game. Uh, Raquel and Silverberg, these are still two fairly young guys. The young defense, I mean, Montour, Theodore, could they have played better at times? Sure, but they're gaining invaluable experience. So they really, it, it's a nice mix. And you do need that mix because I know people were thinking, well, Anaheim could tire this series, but they do have some young legs mixed in. And now I don't know if they're going to tire because they're going to win the, the lion's share of these face-offs. And it's going to be a big deal, especially when Nashville is trying to win offensive zone face-offs. Like that's where they're just going to get killed. And if it's, and if it's on the penalty kill, I, and we saw Anaheim would put two of their stud centers on every one of those shifts. And so if right. one gets thrown out, you're still right. going to probably lose that face off. And so it makes Anaheim's penalty kill that much greater. So that's what I'm saying. Is it possible? Sure. This is hockey. Like anything could still happen, but the odds are just stacking up against Nashville. And, and look, Ravi lets a heck of a coach. He'll come up with something. I have no doubt I about agree. it, but I just don't know if they could overcome those other parts, even if they're scoring a little more to make up for the loss of these two guys I don't know if they can make up for it in the face-off circle. I don't know if they can make up for it on the penalty kill. And ultimately, that's going to be a big deal because if they put Anaheim on the power play, that's going to be a, a big, really, I think, a, a big thing for Anaheim because they'll be able to control the puck. Well, we're talking with Russ Cohen, sportsology writer, TSN NHL radio host, author here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And then I'm, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Chris Lisa, because I know he has a few things to get to with you. Chris, jump on in, buddy. Hey, Russ. So uh, I got a couple hey, of things Chris. on uh, expansion in the, in the amateur draft. So how do mm -hmm. you – what do you think George McPhee's strategy is going to be regarding the expansion draft? Obviously, there's going to be uh, – we expect a lot of trades, so it's, let's be careful mm -hmm. looking at those mock drafts right now. But what do you think his overall strategy is going to be? Uh, putting this team together through expansion. Well, he's still going to have to spend more money. I mean, Shippershop's a big salary right now, but he has to get to the uh, to the cap floor. So he is going to have to get at least one big salary in this, maybe two. But I don't think you know people initially thought that he was going to get those kinds of salaries where you could bury a player for two, three years and he would get great players in re in return, draft picks and such. I don't think they're going to do that. But I think uh, if a team leaves somebody unprotected that has two years at a lot of money left and they feel like it's somebody they can market, yeah, I think they might go for that. Like, I think even if, if Florida left Yarmir Yager, you know, unprotected, but I think he's a UFA because I think Yager went year to year. Yes, I'm yes. not 100. Okay, so he's a UFA. So that, that won't be an issue. Although, 
you know, I kind of wonder if Vegas wouldn't just sign Yager and try. I mean, we don't know if they're talking now. I think there's a possibility for that because you still have to market that team. Even the newness is great, but you still, if you have a big star like that, it would be easier to, to sell some merchandise. So I kind of wonder if what they'll about, try and throw some money at what a guy like Bobby? that. Sorry. Oh, what about Bobby Ryan with this resurgence? you think it's possible he could look at a guy like that? Uh, no, I think Ottawa's going to hold on to Ryan now. I think maybe there was some question about that. I, I think they'll protect him. I don't think there's going to be any issue with, with Ryan. But there's other players that, you know, like, would, would the Rangers still dangle Rick Nash out there? They might. They might. And and Vegas might do that for a year. I mean, that's he's got one year left. Or if they can't, if the Rangers don't make a trade, would they? Well, step on, they can't because he has no move. But Nash actually, uh, I think he would have to agree to it too because I think he's got a limited no Correct. trade. It gets crazy with all these things. But I think, and Nash did say he's coming back. So I'm not even sure the Rangers can dangle him out there. But they still might dangle somebody else with, you know, a little bit of salary. I know Kevin Klein will definitely get dangled. Um, they'll probably, they probably would take him to it around two and a half. I think he's about two and a half, two seven, something like that. But you could see somebody bigger. Right. I could just see somebody in the four or five range and, and letting them pick him up. We'll see. But I think they're going to go, they're probably going to spend money on goaltending. That, that's my guess because they can probably get four or five goalies out of this and flip a couple of them, and then I think they, you know, if they're in the process of flipping somebody, they'll take a big salary. So could they take a Lettinen on? Maybe. Maybe maybe they do that as a favor to Dallas, and Dallas gives them a first-round pick. It's possible, because otherwise they might I have to that, buy him yeah. out. Yeah, and so I think that that's the sort of deal where that, that helps both, because Lettinen will still play, and they would get a first-rounder, another first-rounder out of it. And then maybe, you know, Neil could, could really do something in that draft. To, not Neil. Uh, McPhee can do something in that draft to really impact the new franchise. So, you know, if they, if they picked a couple times in the first round, that would be pretty exciting for, uh, for Vegas. Yeah, fans. absolutely. I'd totally do that deal. And Lennon doesn't have, what did you say, one year left on, on his deal? He's got one year. Two. I'm not, I don't remember. He's got one year. He, he only has I'd, one do, year. I'd do that for now. For sure. Yeah. Keep in mind, Dallas has, uh, with the Patrick Eves trade in Anaheim in the conference finals, Dallas has Anaheim's uh, first-round pick, so they have two. I mean, still, you know, picks. the Pittsburgh situation like is far it. but settled because while everybody might agree, hey, Matt Murray's their goalie of the future, you don't know if Marc-Andre Fleury is going to agree to, to move his sure. – to be willing to be moved to another team. He's got a no-trade also. So if he puts his foot down and says, I'm not going anywhere, Matt Murray could be the guy unprotected or he gets traded before the expansion draft. I mean, that's still a possibility. And and maybe and, – and I think he's making – I think he makes around 3-7. So, you know, maybe that's what Vegas is waiting on. There's going to be a few things like that where there's going to be last-minute shoes that will drop and they could take yeah. advantage of that. Now, I'm surprised they haven't signed more free agents. But I guess now with a shared affiliation in the AHL, they don't have to get as many as I, you know, as we probably thought they would. Still surprised though. I'm still surprised. There's maybe with the um, before the expansion draft, there's that period where they could sign expiring RFAs. That may be something yeah. where they grab some young players, and we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they'll they'll put a few guys up on the board that way. Now, uh, so there Russ, is the you know, you, go ahead, Mark. 
Well, I was just going to say there is the, the window that Vegas has to sign the NHL free agent hasn't yet opened. So they might be um, um, holding yeah, on. Yeah, the NHL ones, but the RFA, the expiring RFAs, I think, I think they could sign them now, or if it's not now, it's very soon. I, I think it. I think it, that's still yet, and and, and that. Okay. Inter- internationally, obviously, they they they're they're targeting yes. Evgeny Davinov. So I mean, I think that would make sense if they could get him signed to give. Shipikov he's okay. Some... I mean, look on that team, he's a second liner. On most teams, sure, he he's a third liner. He's not going to score a lot of points, but he's a decent NHL player. So yeah, it would be a good pickup. I think it would also give uh, Shipikov also, you know, that comfort of the, the another dude on the yeah. team speaking Russian, and then someone yep. culturally that he could be with. So I think that that should be a good target for them. Um, go ahead, Chris. I just wanted to bring that up. I mean, I could even see Halak getting dangled to them, and maybe uh, if Vegas is nice enough to take Yarrow Halak, that the Islanders have to throw them a a really good player or their first round pick. You never know. You know, Russ, uh, you're one of the, the voices I, I really look uh, look to read on in terms of the every year on the draft. And uh, although I'm a little disappointed in the Long Island contingent this year, but be, be that as it may, um, you know, what jumps out at me, Russ, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, on the, this year's draft class, is it's amazing how there's no exact consensus. I was talking to a, a good writer yeah. friend uh, about the Dallas Stars, and he writes about the Dallas Stars and the third pick. And in doing his homework, he brought up, I think, four mock, recent mock drafts with the Stars at the third pick, and no one had the same player. Uh, right. At pick three. We're not talking about pick right. 13. So right. uh, how, how, how is this draft going to play out? I mean, trying to, pick, trying to predict this draft, I mean, God bless you. It's probably a million to one, right? I mean, yeah, I'm going to probably look like value. a dope on live radio. Yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> I could see after the first two, Shane and I sort of trying to get out of the darkness. Um, but yeah, it's going to be like that. Uh, we're, you know, the, the what's going to happen is it's really going to depend on every team's board because they're all going to be different and who values what, and that's where we might start to see some little trades, some moving up, some moving down based on the disparity on the boards because I could see there being a difference of one guy being in slot three and on another team he's slotted seventh or eighth. And I could see that. And so that will come into play for this draft. Now, if you're talking about your team, the New York Islanders, let's say they do hold on to that pick, and most likely they will. I mean, I could name you a couple of different guys, but two guys who I think would look really good uh, – Erho Bakanainen, a defenseman, a Finnish defenseman, really slick offensive guy, always has his head up, has an extra gear to get, get past the opposition, can play a complete game, but he's really, really, he, I think he's, he's starting to come on. I think he's a guy that's probably sort of going under the radar right now in this draft. Maybe he'll do something at the combine to sort of stick out. But he's a guy, or Kaylo Yamamoto. I mean, if Kaylo Yamamoto slips to – to 15, I could see taking him. I mean, again, especially if if Josh Hosang's getting dealt, which there is some rumors of that going on now. If if and that would be oh, a really? part of like a Matt Duchesne deal. So if that oh, happens, well, thank you. Uh, I it, I read X uh, article yesterday 
uh, in mm-hmm. terms of that rumor, and and supposedly Tavares is high on getting Duchesne, and it said I think Hamannick, Halak, Hip, and the Islanders keep half a salary, and uh, an offense, a young one of their top offensive prospects who could step and right I think in the lineup. And I said to myself, it better not be Barzell. <laughs> no, I don't I, think I mean, it'll be Barzell. I, I tell you, I'm on record here. I, I do not want to see Barzell traded unless he's part of a package to get like a Tyler Sagan kind of level player, which I'm not saying Tyler right. Sagan is getting traded. But other than that, right. and don't get me wrong, big fan of Duchesne. Hey, I, I, I got another question for you on the draft before I let you finish up with, with Mark. You know, last yep. year, Russ, I said, I'm going to give you the same question I gave you last year before the draft. I said, give me a guy who you expect late first, maybe even early second, that's a little bit under the radar that you think has a chance to be something special. And last year, if memory serves correct, you gave me Sam Gerrard, who I think went to Nashville, mm-hmm. if memory serves correct. Yep. Do you have yep. a guy like that this year, uh, late first, uh, early second, and, and maybe would be a great fit for Vegas? Yeah, I'll give you Evan Barrett. He's a um, a center with the NTDP. He's a uh, PA native. I've seen him play quite a bit. He's going to be a Penn State kid this year. Really impactful player. He is not going to be a 75-point guy, but could be a 45- to 47-point guy. He's good around the net. He's a great passer. Super competitive kid. Fills all the columns. Wins face-offs. I, I've seen him, you know, beat out guys like Nico Hishier on face-offs in tournaments. So I like him. He's got a good attitude on and off the ice. He's 5'11", 172. If he were bigger, he would he would go higher. Currently, I have him ranked 33rd. I think, he, you know, he's going to stick around there in my rankings when the final ones come out, but I, I could see him being that guy. And you know what? A lot of teams could use a guy like him, a lot of them. Well, you brought up you did you brought up the Pittsburgh situation a little bit earlier about the goaltending and how that's mm-hmm. going to play play out and and like like you said it, the closer and it gets Jerry's to, in that mix too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sure is. The closer it gets to you know June seventeenth, June eighteenth, and mm-hmm. the the he let's just say he still has Flurry's standing on his no move and and Murray's still on the roster. Do you think it's more likely that he's going to just go ahead and make some sort of a deal with McPhee? Or if, let's say, let's say Calgary calls and says, look, you're going to lose him for nothing. I'll give you a third and a second. Um, oh. The closer it gets, the more that kind of a deal is we're going to be seeing around the league, right? You don't yeah, let him go I for think- nothing. Well, it depends. No, you you're, you don't want to let him go for nothing. So I think Rutherford's first thing would be if Calgary call. I think he would try and go higher and say, "Hey, look, I'll trade your form for like Jankowski straight up." What do you say? And and they might do that. And and they have some cost certainty in, in Murray's contract, and it's not an outrageous contract. So maybe that happens. But if Calgary plays hardball and says no, then maybe Rutherford does call McPhee and says, "Hey, we'll give you our first, not to take Murray." And, and, you know, right. take somebody else, take, you know, take Kunakle, take, we'll leave you somebody that could still help your team, but you just don't take Matt Murray. And and I think that will be the last ditch effort. And I think that may be, or, you know, or they might say, Hey, take Jerry, don't take Matt Murray and we'll, and we'll do this for you. And they might have to do that. 
It's going to come down to that. Those three guys are in a rotation there. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, we're going to see so much of that. The the longer... the longer that teams like Pittsburgh in that situation have to ha- are, have to hold on to that player, the the more the ball's yeah. in McFadden's court. I mean, he he yeah. flat out okay, I'm taking your player. Um, he holds all the cards. So after the after the final, I mean, here, look at it this way. Look at it this way. A good scenario, but a bad scenario is if Pittsburgh wins the Stanley Cup and Murray's in there. Okay, then they have to hold on to Matt Murray. Well, everybody knows that. And so does Mark Andre Fleury and Mark Andre Fleury's agent. Yeah. Who would you say Fleury? You know, you know, Fleury is a human being. They, everybody on that team loves him. It's easy to say for fans, well, you should do the right thing. And, and Rutherford has sort of gone down that road a little bit. Well, you know, he, he, he might just do us a favor and, and, and let us deal him. But he doesn't have to. Contractually, no, he, doesn't. he doesn't have to. And so that's what could really make this tough. If they win another Stanley Cup with the same goalie, and that goalie <laughs> could be <laughs> it's exposed, twenty-five years old. It, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to cause some chaos. Uh, I mean, for sure. Just remember, Flurry. I mean, Flurry's going to go. Well, gonna why, say, why would I leave Stanley Cup, uh, yeah. Stanley Cup winning teams where I am playing a role to go go out to Vegas and miss the playoffs for two or three years? What's in it for me? Right. Right. And that's something that could play way very heavily. Just remember, I'm sure the Boston Bruins didn't want to let Bernie Perron go to the Flyers. But it happened. Right. Yeah. Sometimes wow, things gonna happen. Be, it's going to be super. Well, go ahead, Chris. Paul Flurry could go to Calgary and, and uh, be the number mm-hmm. one uh, be the number one there. Yeah, and and uh and he's got only two years to go, and they have those two top right counts as young goalies. Yep, gives them a little bit more yep. time, and they can ease them in. Yeah, it gives Gillies and, a little more time for sure. A, and Calgary's a good team. You ask Flurry. That's a realistic you know, scenario, oh, yeah. Chris. Yeah, but we don't know about Flurry's kids. We don't we don't know about Flurry's kids? We don't know about the school situation. Right, you might say, right. you know what? They're happy here. We're staying here. Thank you, but no, thank oh. you. Yeah. Well, that 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 puts uh Pitt, that puts Pittsburgh in a well. Then you know what? Then if you're Pittsburgh, then you go call Calgary and say, "I want Ducky Hamilton. I want either uh, <laughs> uh, one of those young Coley Coley prospects For, to trade Murray." Yes. Yeah. Yes. Possible. Yeah. Man, yeah. I mean, that's, that and that's it could just, turn that's... out to be that. I don't. In the yeah. end, I don't think I don't think Pittsburgh gets hurt that much in the end. But it's just one of those situations where now they have an embarrassment of riches, and because of the way the contracts fall in this league, they have that's the most intrigue of any team for any scenario. That is the most intrigue because that one, we don't know how it's going to work out, and we can come up with five or six scenarios. Man, it's uh, that's and look, there's there's that's only one team's one problem. Um, the Ducks are going to have these kinds of issues with their defense core. San Jose, Columbus has some yep. good. I mean, but the amazing there, thing so here's the amazing parts. thing, though, guys. Here's yeah. the funny thing: Vegas can only take one player. Yeah. And so some of these teams, if they have multiple guys in that situation, they may just throw them all out there, and they're just going to have to lose one. But they're only going to lose one. It's just that Pittsburgh right. doesn't want to lose that one. That's the problem. Exactly. Right. And, and all things being equal, they don't. Pittsburgh doesn't want to lose either one. <laughs> right. You know. 
Well, well right. man. And that's where Jerry could come into play. That's where they could yeah. sort of, you know, twist their arm to take Jerry and get something down the road. Yeah. Right after hey, here's, the se- here's, the, here's the second. Take Jerry. Here's the second. Man, it's good. Yep. I think George McPhee, um, man, I'm glad that, that Mr. Foley picked George McPhee because with the way the rules are this time around, um, you know, there there was the chatter that uh, we, you know, new franchise bring in um, like a bottle type type GM up and yeah. come and grow with the franchise. But with the way this is shaking out, you got to have a guy in that spot that's, you know, twenty years experience has in a little the GM mileage chair. A little, and, and knows the other GM uh, has I the agree. relationships has the relationships with the other teams in the NHL. And and the the more the, I I look into this. The more George McPhee is probably the perfect fit for this team right now. Yeah, he's a good fit. I mean, look, if I'm McPhee and I know or I get wind that Flurry's not going to go anywhere, and let's say they do win the Stanley Cup, I might preemptively call Rutherford and congratulate him and say, "Hey, you know, I think Murray's going to look good here in Vegas next year," and sort of tweak him. What do you think? And yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, for sure. You Why know? not? Yeah. Why not? And, uh, uh, Russ, last one, a truly last one for me. Uh, I okay. we had Zach Devine on uh, the night of the NHL yep. lottery, and he feels that the 2018 amateur draft could be a special class. Do you, can you see if if that's what the scouts are saying? Could you see McPhee say, "Okay, I tell you what, you know, give us, you know, you're going to leave that guy unprotected if you're Pittsburgh or whoever. We'll take a second and take this. Oh, and by the way." Just make sure you give us our twenty-eight, your twenty-eighteen first rounder, and then we got a done deal. Would you see him in making that kind of investment so it's next year's draft? If it's, sure. if a lot of people are already talking about being a special class, it's possible. But the problem is, I know it's special from the top. I haven't had a chance to look at it all the way through, so right. I think it's always very premature when someone says that because by the time a team like Pittsburgh's pick is picking, I can't right. tell you that it's any better right today than what I know about for this class, right? So I'm not sure he would do that because he's still got a sort of answer to his constituency, and I think if he pushed that off, I don't know, maybe some people in Vegas would sort of get itchy the way 76ers fans here have gotten itchy about doing deals like that. I'm not sure he would do that. I think he would probably prefer to just pick now because he's got spots to fill, and if he pushes yeah. it off another year, then that's another two or three until he gets that player where at least now if I draft the guy this year, you know, I'm taking a year off his development instead of waiting. Yeah. Uh, that's, there's so many moving parts. We could do this for hours, but we are running out of time, Russ. Yep. I got to let you go. One, one quick thing. No problem. Um, have you got any? Have you got a next uh, book project in the works that you want to talk about? I, I do. Um, it's all handed in. It's called Pioneers of Baseball. It's going to be. A, it's a photo book. It's from the A. G. Spalding collection. So he's like nice. Mr. Spalding. He he invented the baseball. He invented a lot of things. Sure. And so these these photos are from like the 1890s through the early 1900s, and from wow. some guys you've never heard of and teams you've never heard of. Of course, guys like Connie Mack are still in there and such, but. It, it, I was pretty excited to do it, and there's a lot of moving parts with that and a lot of even just writing photo captions, a lot of research that has to go into it. And you find out how amazing some of these players really were and really only a handful got into the Hall of Fame and probably more deserved to be. 
Uh, that sounds pretty interesting. When is when? But I don't when know. I don't have a that? release date, so I can't tell people to look out. Just keep on my Amazon page, and one day it'll just be on there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's it. Well, hey man, great conversation today, Russ. P- really appreciate you coming on and spending the time with us on a Saturday afternoon here. Uh, no, I look forward to talking to you too. again, sir. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, All right. Russ. You're the best. Yeah, we can talk to Russ when, for hours. Like uh, he uh, he know he knows the draft so well. He knows the current uh, team so well. Uh, uh, he's a long he, he he lives in the Philadelphia area now, or he out just he might be in Southern Jersey. Uh, uh, but he's a Long Islander uh, at heart. So uh, uh, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, he's a, just a real good guy and. Uh, uh, so, uh, and like I said, his knowledge is uh, is really impressive. Uh, uh, just on almost any subject, I, I'm always very curious on what he sees. That that would be some trade that he mentioned. Uh, uh, yeah, Hamannik, Kosong, and Halak for Matthew Shane. I'd so, do that uh, if I was the Islanders. Yeah, I think you have to. I think the fan base would be they would be happy with that, and it seems like Tavares really wants that. So then you make him happy as well, uh, and obviously that also says to me of you know if all these rumors or here and there uh, he ain't going anywhere. So uh, uh, I think it would be uh, you know a good infusion as well for and they have a lot. Of, again, we've talked about they're one of the teams. There's probably about ten teams who are in an expansion pickle, and we talked about Mark about uh, this in expansion with the uh, with the exemptions. But the teams that are going to lose a good player or who are in an expansion pickle are teams that have depth, and they are one of those teams, you know. Uh, so yeah. um, that would that would you know, and maybe be another move. Uh, very excited to announce uh, for the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Everyone, mark your calendars. Saturday, June 17th, 11 a.m. West Coast, uh, U.S. States time, 2 p.m. East Coast States time. We're going to have our annual mock draft show. We're bringing back Mark who we've had on a couple of times. We did an amazing job last year. And we have Zach Devine coming on as well. And, uh, you know, Mark will be master of ceremonies. Uh, I uh, was, And then Zach, uh, Mark Scheich, and myself will be picking. Uh, we're going to go with uh, Zach, who will be picking number one, Mark Scheich number two. I'll be picking number three and then repeat that process from picks one through 15. And uh, 15th pick with me having the 15th pick with the Islanders. So uh, excited. And I have the Vegas pick as well. So. Uh, which a lot of pressure being on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, having the Vegas first pick. overall draft uh, pick in franchise history. So yeah, don't right. miss it. Don't miss it. I hope, I, I, I hope not to. I hope not to. So we'll Flip do a live flop. mock draft, and that's that's always a, a fun show to do. The third annual, and uh, I'm very thrilled that we have those two guys. So uh, in good hands. So uh, uh, as well. So that's going to be a very very fun show. So mark your calendars on that. That. That date and times are set. Yeah, really look forward to that every year. It helps me get more involved in, uh, you know, the the juniors and the and the amateur players as well. That we, you know, when when international play aside from the juniors um, goes to the pro levels well, and the Olympics and and world championships, it it helps me keep an big, eye on. It's a big draft for you, sir, because. 
you got Vegas, you know, I mean, they got the sixth pick, they got the third pick of the second round. Those are you uh, among as well as the other rounds. But those are two huge picks and your Kings pick 11th. So that's that's a big pick as well. So yeah. uh uh Yeah, so Looking that's, forward uh, that's to a big it. Looking draft forward to you, it. My friend. Yep, yep. Well, we got any... could could be on the board when your Kings pick. Like you said, the, the the when they do the consensus top tens, the, the there's oh. only three players that are even on everybody's top ten list. So anybody could be on the board at the, when the Kings pick. Um, yeah, no, and and no, I, that's a... interesting to see how Mr. Blake handles his first draft. I'm curious um, what his strategy is going into it. We've seen. Uh, draft day deals from Mr. Lombardi work, and we've seen them not work long term. So uh, interesting to oh. see if Mr. Blake just goes through his draft uh, first draft, stands pat, takes his picks, and and sees what he gets in the in the long term. Right? He's got to build up that farm system. That farm system's thin, razor thin, and uh, if he if he makes any trades with his with his eleventh pick, it would be to trade back. A cup, you know, a spot or two or three or four, and pick up, you know, uh, other draft picks either in the second or third round kind of thing. Uh, I can't imagine. If anything, he'd be looking to trade some of his uh, proven uh, existing players and getting getting uh, high draft picks. I can't see them trading out of the first round. I just I just can't see that happening. Uh, and then then if you know you got to just take the best player on the board. It's it's really simple as that. I mean, that's very much up for debate in this draft. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. There's there's so many players around that spot who are going to be equally ranked, and then it's who they like the best. So uh, the, that's that's the way they got to go. And no one's really going to have a feel of who, like Russ said, one team could have a certain player three on their board, and that same player could be ninth on someone else's team board. So. Uh, no one's going to have a good feel of that, like like in prior years. Oh, sorry. Um, do we have anything okay. on tap for next week? No, it is a work in progress. Obviously, uh, okay. this this series will be wrapped up. I think we should check in with JD Styles. Uh, maybe yep. bring him on board. And usually, he works the finals uh, as well for Cali Sports News. And we haven't had J.D. on in a while, so uh, maybe bring back good old J.D. Styles uh, uh, to look at the uh, Stanley Cup Finals next week would be uh, just off the top of my head. We have to see if he's available, be a good but pick. that might be a good way to go. Yeah. That would be a good pick. I'll reach out and, and J.D. and give us a holler, buddy. We're going to have you in. We're going to talk some Stanley Cup Final action. So <clears throat> next week will be good. We'll We'll make it happen for you guys. Um, this has been a great week. I love it when the conversation kind of gets free form and we're just, we're just sitting here talking and we're not running down, you know, talking points to hit. And, and this conversation reached that level this week. I believe I love it. That's the, the joy of podcasting is when, when it just becomes conversation. And, and I think for me anyway, I had a great time this week. Um, and we'll look forward to seeing you guys again. Absolutely. Great show this week, my friend. For Chris on Mark, we're gone.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.